All right. Well, Brother Smith, it's good always to have you here. And come on out. You can come on up. I appreciate it so much. We were talking at lunch. We, th we think we decided this is the eighth Bible school you've done for us. Is that right? Something so. like that. At least seven, eight. I've really come to appreciate him. He has, uh, we talk about this every year, an amazing capacity to uh, interact well with the kids um, and to interact well with the adults. And uh, th that's just not a lot of that that happens. We've had guys that could do a great Bible school from the kids, and the parents were just exasperated. And, or uh, maybe somebody who was just great with the kids and, or with the, with the adults, and the kids were bored to tears. But uh, Brother Smith manages to, to blend them both. And so anyway, glad to have him. Glad to have you, sir. Thank you. It is a blessing to be here tonight, and um, we are looking forward to anticipating the Lord to do a wonderful thing this week. I'm going to let you open your Bibles up to the book of Acts and chapter number 26. Um, I was thinking this afternoon, it's interesting, today's the 26th of the month, and um, if you read the book of Acts, it's kind of like the book of Proverbs, you can read one chapter a day, and it uh, fits every month, and it's the 26th, I read this this morning, I was already planning on preaching from it, but I just thought that was interesting how it all fit together, it was fresh again, and um, it's a blessed chapter in the scriptures, in the word of God. As far as Vacation Bible School goes, um, those of you that are helping um, in Bible school. It won't be a long meeting downstairs. We'll be quick because we've got a lot of things to do, but we just want to refresh our minds. So um, if, if everyone that's helping could just jump down there real quick and we'll go over a few things. And um, even if you're working with the teens, if you'd come down, I'll kind of cover that first and then you can be free to go. But um, we'd like to just see everybody for just a few minutes um, down there and that'll be a wonderful, wonderful time. And, and um, Pastor's already mentioned everything going on this week and um, prayer, the importance of that. Um, if you can't be here to help at Bible school, every day about 11 o'clock is when we pray, preach to the little kids. And um, though if you're free at your work or your work allows you to, you know, think about other things while you're working, um, you could pray and just say, Lord, help those kids to listen and help the word of God to go forward. And I believe the answer is prayer. Not in the, you know, it's not in the trinkets, the decorations or in the ability to, you know, wave a piece of paper around, but it's in the power of God. And that only comes through prayer. And so we surely need you to pray every day. And ask God for that. In the evening time, usually we preach around 8 o'clock or 8.15 to the teenagers. And a lot of people are off work at that time. If you just stop and, and at your house, you know, and get your family together and say, you know what, for the next 15, 20 minutes, we're going to pray. Um, I don't know if too many places that really do that. People talk about it. But um, I'm always longing for the time when people would pray while the preaching is going on. And um, what a blessing that would be. And um, God hears and God answers. We believe that. And um, so I told the teenagers this morning downstairs, um, we don't want to just have entertainment and fun. If we want to do that, let's go, you know, let's go to Worlds of Fun, amen? Let's go do something like that. And um, let's, but when you have Bible school, you're, you want your own children to get stirred, but there's going to be visiting young people here that need to hear the gospel and need to get saved. And, and we want God to make a difference in their life. And so we need to pray much and ask God to do great things. So please pray about that. And then Thursday evening is the closing program. And, and um, I know that... Uh, um, that's always to me is the highlight. It's what everything is all about um, because you want the children to hear the gospel, but when the parents can hear the gospel. And uh, pastor will be preaching to the adults in here on Thursday evening. I'll take the little kids in the backs and, and tell them another Bible lesson and give the gospel to them one more time. And um, really pray about that service, that God would have his hand upon it. And um, there'll be a lot of visitors. And one of the things I want to encourage you with is um, the important thing on Thursday night is is that those visiting parents get sit seated down here, amen, and um, underneath where the gospel is, where they're not easily distracted. And so really encourage visitors when they come, shake their hand, greet them, introduce them, bring them up front here, and help them find a seat, you know. And, 
And, um, but, and, you know, but if we just set all them up there, they'll be nervous. So some of you church folks, you know, volunteer to sit up here with them and sit and chat with them while they're in here early because they'll come early and um, get them up here where they're comfortable. And um, the crying babies we'll put back there, of course, so that they don't disturb. And um, we'll have a good time. And so really pray about that Thursday evening service. And um, the carnival is secondary, you know. Um, that's just the fun time afterwards. But the preaching of the gospel and that, that seed going into those hearts and what a joy it would be to have a young person say, my mom and dad got saved at Bible school. And um, I'm actually going to challenge the young people to pray that way because the story we're telling this year is about a man, Augustine Roman. He's a Papalucan Indian. He never came to America. And, um, but he got saved because somebody translated the scripture into his language and he read a copy of it and got saved through reading that. And um, the story is how he began to witness to his family and um, how his family got saved and, and this unique story, how it all fits together. And I'll be challenging the young children to do the same thing, to pray for your parents, amen, and pray that they would get saved, and, and that would be a blessing. And so that's what Bible school is going on. And um, I know some of you have asked about our ministry and what we've been doing, and I can just say thank you very much for your faithful support. And um, you'll never know, you'll never know how, how, how far that goes um, towards doing the work of God. And um, the six months we're spending in South Africa, we right now, I'm absolutely settled on that. I, I, I mean, if it was up to me, I would stay in South Africa. I have no problem with staying over there. But um, my pastor and I have talked long about it, and we're actually very happy and convinced that what God wants right now is to spend part of the year over there, part of the year over here. And um, that's because I'm getting older, and I'm going to be a snowbird evangelist. Amen. But, um, the, uh, but no, because of just the opportunities over there at that time of the year, as well as the opportunities over here this time of the year to work with the young people, and it all just fits together. And um, God answered huge prayers so we could go last year for those six months. Um, everything to getting a vehicle when we got into the country and, and um, getting at the last moment and being short on the financial side and then the money was there. And to this day, I still don't know where it came from. My mother said it was anonymous and it was just put in my account the day I needed it or I wasn't going to Zimbabwe on, on the mission trip part over there. And God just taking care of great things. And um, the, preaching to the young people in the schools over there and spent in Durban in entire week every single day I preached in the public school system um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids hearing the gospel um, 15 minutes in some places other places having 45 minutes um, I have an opportunity for two different schools if I can make it back down into that area they'll give me the whole week with the school as much time as I'd like and um, it's just amazing what God is doing over there in the hearts of the young people and so we're excited about it and I'm looking forward to going back about October the 17th, somewhere in there. And I'm just um, trying to arrange all of that now. And so continue to pray. And um, you may never get to come to South Africa. But um, if you want to, you're always welcome to. And um, there's no seatbelt laws over there. So we just squeeze another person in our baki. And down the road we go. Amen. And um, we have a good time um, doing that. So it's a, it's a wonderful time. And just, um, but you know, not everyone's called to go to those places. We understand that. But um, I've asked God this summer to burden some young people's hearts. Uh, because there are places, there are multitudes of places in this world. Zimbabwe is opening up right now. We've made a couple of trips up there. My friend in Africa is moving his ministry into Zimbabwe. He's already secured a house up there. And um, there, are, there are not missionaries in Zimbabwe. And, uh, but it looks like the door's starting to open now, and it's going to be an opportunity. I think in the churches that are working, there's several hundred Zimbabwean people um, that, are, that are being contacted and reached faithfully in the church and different churches across South Africa because they've um, immigrated there, fled there as refugees. And um, when things change, they're going to go back to their country. And um, boy, there'd be a great need for missionaries to flood that country and help those people reach the people with the gospel. And so lots of opportunities. And um, we just want folks to do what God wants them to do. The book of Acts this evening, chapter number 26. I'm going to read a portion of it. It's um, probably one of the greatest chapters as far as a testimony 
of the life of the Apostle Paul. Of course, he is standing here before King Agrippa. Um, if you could imagine that, having the opportunity um, you know, to do something and find yourself in a situation where you could stand before one of the most powerful leaders of your nation and to be able to stand and give him the gospel. What a wonderful opportunity that would be as Paul is answering for himself. We're not going to take the time to read the whole chapter. It's a wonderful testimony that Paul is giving. Um, particularly, I love towards the end of it, as Paul really pins King Agrippa down um, in verse number 27, when he says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And this is what Paul says, I know that thou believest. I believe Paul, as he was talking to King Agrippa, he understood that King Agrippa cannot deny the facts. Did you know that's what a large part of evangelism is about? It's about giving people the facts in such a manner that they cannot deny them. Now, if they choose to deny the facts, that's their accountability before God. And it's a grieve, grieve, grieving thing because they reject the, the gospel. They reject Jesus Christ. And, and that's what Agrippa did in verse 28 when Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And boy, what a glorious thing would have happened if Agrippa would have said, Yes to the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then you see Paul's heart in verse number 29 when Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. And to find a person that would have that heart. As Paul stood that day before this powerful king and he said, King, I wish you knew how much I desire that everyone in this room would be just like me. What did Paul mean by that? He's talking about his salvation. He's talking that although he was imprisoned and beaten and, and on his way to perhaps a death sentence, he said, I wish that everyone in this room could be like me. And you know, that's the heart that we as God's people ought to come back to. We ought to come back to where our faith, our Christianity so burns in us that we would desire that everyone at our workplace would have it also. We would desire that everyone in our family would have it also. We would desire that the people in our neighborhood would, would have it also. And that's what I want us to see tonight because, and we're jumping back in reverse here now, because in the middle of Paul's testimony, when Paul was going down that Damascus road and the light shone from heaven, and in verse 15, Paul said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, or God said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. In verse 16, God said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. And I want to draw our attention tonight to that little phrase there in the middle of verse 16. When the Lord Jesus Christ said to Paul, I have appeared unto thee, for this purpose. And I want to say tonight that you are here for a purpose. God saved you for a purpose. And so many times people say, well, yeah, God saved me so I could go to heaven. But I want to tell you something tonight. God didn't save you so you could go to heaven. Salvation, eternal life is a, is a byproduct, all right, of receiving Jesus Christ. But God saved you, the Bible teaches, for his glory that your life on this earth would represent the very glory of God so that when you walk among society people would say that person has something that I want to 
We are to be the image, the light, the evangelist, the, the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of Christianity. Let's pray tonight, and then we'll look at this very briefly here this evening. Father in heaven, I pray you'd help us tonight. And Lord, could you stir our hearts in a special way? Lord, could you help us to renew our vision? Lord, to, to taste again the wonderful thought of salvation. To be reminded tonight of what it is that you did for us when you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. And Father, you looked down upon the face of this earth and you saw us. Lord, you, you saw us in our wretchedness and our sin. You, while we were yet sinners, God, you loved us. And you gave yourself as a ransom for us. And Lord, the glorious day that we received that gift. Father, tonight would you encourage us, would you convict us, would you change us? Lord, would you do a wonderful work in our hearts? And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This particular story in the Bible, as I said, is so fascinating. As, as you think about Paul standing before this powerful leader, and he didn't change his message. He didn't, he didn't cater to King Agrippa's wants, desires, or wishes. But Paul gave his testimony. Now, sometimes people would say, well, Brother Bill, if I had a testimony like the Apostle Paul had... I would give it also. But I want you to think about his testimony. And, 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 and we look at some particular events in his testimony. And we look at those dynamics. And oftentimes we misunderstand them. And, and you know, I've heard people say, well, if, if I saw a bright light on the street, I would get saved too. But, but that's not, Paul didn't get saved because of the bright light that was on the street. I think if you study very carefully, an interesting thing about the life of the Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, the persecutor, and he was there that day. They stoned that man, Stephen. And, and, and the story of the background of Stephen is, you know, Stephen wasn't an evangelist. Stephen wasn't a missionary. Stephen wasn't a pastor of a local church. Do you know who Stephen was? Stephen was a member of that church. And there were needs in the church that the widows would be taken care of. And, and the disciples said, listen, the apostles said, look, you out a man among you full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost and, and appoint them to this business. And Stephen was, was appointed an office in the church to serve and to help and to, to help in the ministry. And you find that man, Stephen, out preaching the gospel. You see, the gospel preaching is not just for the man that stands behind the pulpit, but the gospel preaching is for every Christian. And Stephen was out there in the community evangelizing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't like his preaching. They took up stones and they stoned him. But if you remember when Stephen was being stoned and put to death and his face was shining, I believe Stephen's testimony. And when Paul was walking down that road and that light shone, I think it all connected. <laughs> I think Paul realized that Stephen's message was right. And what was Stephen's message? It was the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The change that Christ brings in a life. And, and, and it, it all connects for Paul as he's there. Because Paul says, who art thou, Lord? He knows. And the light shone. And you say, well, what about us today? Where is the light? It's right there. If you got saved, you had to come to the light source. The light of the word of God had to shine in your heart first corinthians chapter 3 and 4 tell us if you got saved you saw the same light that paul saw you didn't you didn't get saved without seeing it oh i'm not talking about it blinded you in the eyes physically but you had to come to the word of god because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god and the word of god shines in our heart and transforms us that our faith would not rest in the wisdom of man's words but it would rest in the power of God 
And if you're saved tonight, you have the same testimony as the Apostle Paul. You say, really? Yeah, you have the same testimony. You could stand before anyone and say, listen, I was going along in my life. And I saw the truth. Jesus said he is the light of the world. You can truly say, I saw the light. The light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. That, that's the testimony that you have. And then Paul, in his testimony, he related how the, you know, the change, obviously, that took place in his life many times because Paul was known as Saul, the persecutor, and the murderer, and the imprisonment of the church. And you say, well, Brother Bill, I was never bad like Paul. I don't want to disappoint you this evening. Then you never got saved. Really. Because Jesus didn't come to call the righteous, but he came to call what? Sinners to repentance. I'm fearful today that we've got multitudes of people that are attending our churches that have never come to repentance. They've never come to an acknowledgement that they were guilty of sin. I'm going to preach on Tuesday night to the teenagers the mystery of sin. What is sin? What does sin do? What sin does to our life? And, and so many people, well, I've always been good. And you'll stand before God and say, Lord, Lord. Did I not want any wonderful works in your name? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. It's important tonight, friend, that you understand that you were lost. That you were under the condemnation and the very wrath of God. It was abiding on you and you were no better than the worst of the worst. Maybe that's the problem today is people don't rejoice in their salvation because... They never realized the condition they were in. They never realized the condemnation of death that sat upon them. And therefore, they never truly repented and turned to Jesus Christ. But when a person understands that, they've got something to talk about, you see. They've got something to say to somebody. Say, you know, I, I, young people that grew up in, in, in Christian homes, and I'm all for young people getting saved at a young age in a Christian home and never going out and drinking and never going. You know, I tell the young people this week, I can, I can honestly say that not one time have I ever touched a drop of alcohol to my lips. I can stand before the young people, and I'm glad I have that testimony. But I'll tell you something. A young person that's never went out and defiled themselves still has the same testimony of repentance and salvation from sin as the person that committed the worst acts you can see because the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked and all of mankind's hearts are the same. And people need to realize that, that I am capable of the worst acts of sin you can imagine, but by the grace of God. And all of a sudden that changes our, our testimony. Sometimes people say, well, I just don't have a testimony. What do you mean you don't have a testimony? God saved you from your heart. God saved you from your sin. God saved you from hell. You have the same testimony as the Apostle Paul. Oh, the outward dynamics might be different because you're in a different setting. You're in a different situation. You're in a different age. You're in a different time. But it's the same salvation. And you need to share that message. You need to let people know, God saved me. If it wasn't for the grace of God tonight, where would I be? Let me tell you something tonight. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't be where you are tonight. We forget that. And we get quiet and we get meek in a wrong type of way about our testimony. And we're not bold like Jesus wants us to be. So tonight I want to show you some things if I can out of this text. Looking at Acts chapter number 26 because 
that's what's happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. And you and I have this same testimony. And God saved us for the same purpose, to make us a minister and a witness of the things which we have seen and the things which God shows us. Verse 17, God said, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And here's our text for this evening, verse 18. The first thing that God says, it says, is to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And the purpose of the Christian life, I want us to see first of all tonight, is the problem of the people that we're working with. Many of the times, this is why we lose sight of our purpose because we forget the people that we're working with. It's interesting when God said, listen, I've saved you, Paul, and I'm sending you to these Gentiles. He said, I'm sending you to a people that are in darkness. I'm sending you to a people that are blinded by sin. I'm sending you to a people that are under the power, not of God, but on the power of Satan. Now you think about this tonight for just a moment and, 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 and the blind. A blind person only knows what they've been told. Do you understand that? If a blind person is told that this pulpit is a brownish-colored wood, they might be able to feel it and get an idea that, yes, it's wood, but as to the color, they have to totally rely upon that which somebody convinced them of. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you tell a blind person the sky is blue and you try to describe that blue to them and you equate it with water and you equate it with other things that are blue or you say this grass is green and the tree leaves are green and you, they, they are relying totally upon what they've been told. And therefore what they've been told, they have come to believe it. And so the Bible says that you and I and the Apostle Paul are sent to a people that are blind. A people whose eyes are closed and they're in darkness and they can't see and they're only relying upon what they have heard and been told. Now you've got to convince them of that, don't you? That's our job. Now that all of a sudden gets to be a pretty hard job, doesn't it? Because like my mom was talking to me yesterday, I was talking to my mom, and she was talking about my little boy, Andrew, getting ready for kindergarten. She said, now, when you teach him how to write his letters, you teach him how to spell his name with a capital A and a small N and a small D and a small R and a small E and a small W. I'm like, yes, mom. Okay. <laughs> you know, this isn't being taped, is it? Okay. <laughs> and so, um, and, she, and she said, and then she went on. She said, when she used to teach kindergarten, I was a kindergarten teacher. She said, those little kids that come into kindergarten, and she'd, she'd show them how to make their letters and how to spell their name. And she'd say, I'd make, she'd say, I'd make a capital A for their name. And then I'd make a small N and they'd make a capital N. And I'd say, that's not the way you do it. And they'd say, well, that's the way my mama told me. It's <laughs> the way they were taught, you know. And my mom would say, well, I told them, you know, you start with an A and you go to a small N. And, and they'd say, well, you know, this is what my parents told me. <laughs> because a little child only knows what they have been taught. Now, have you ever tried to unteach someone that's been taught wrong that's a big job isn't it now i want you to see tonight what i'm trying to say is that the purpose that god has given us is to go out and see people's lives change but we've got to understand the problem of the people that we're working with in the world today it doesn't matter whether they're in africa or they're here in america is they're blind and they're in darkness and they're only doing what they have been taught that's it 
And we can bemoan and we can whine and we can complain and we can say it's wicked, it's terrible, it's bad out there and these people are turning away from God and they're going the wrong direction and they're doing everything that they're doing backwards and, 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 and yes, it's the truth and it's the way the world is. But I'll tell you something tonight, they're only doing what they have been taught. And somebody needs to say, wait a second. Jesus said, if I'm getting this correctly, Go ye into all the world and teach all nations. You see, our responsibility is to be a teacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a teacher tonight, you understand the, the bigness of that task, don't you? To take somebody, first of all, that knows nothing, and teach them. That's a challenge in itself, isn't it? But to take somebody that's been taught incorrectly and correct that teaching is an even greater task, isn't it? And so a teacher just says, well, phooey, they don't know anything, so I'm not going to teach them. Bye. I'm looking for people to know something, amen? That's what I'm going to teach. <laughs> that's not what a teacher does. A teacher doesn't look for the student that already knows how to read to teach them to read. The teacher's looking for a student that doesn't know how to read. To teach them to read. The teacher's not looking for somebody that's got it all figured out to teach them how to do it. The teacher's looking for somebody that's been taught incorrectly so they can teach them correctly so they can help them the right way. That's our job as Christians is to go out into the world to those that know nothing and to teach them something about the gospel of Jesus Christ and to those that have been taught incorrectly to teach them the truth. Well, see, preacher, that's a hard job. But it's what God called us to do, amen? It's the challenge of the church. The church is commanded and commissioned to go into the world and teach people correctly. Look at the second thing the Bible says there. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of, God, of Satan unto, the, unto God. I wrote this down about this thought because not only is it just the people that we're dealing with, but now God gives us the purpose of our preaching and it is to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. How is that possible? To turn them from the darkness to the light. Well, first of all, we know what God told us in the book of Acts chapter number one. He said, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This evening in this room, everything that you need to do what God says is readily available for you. You don't need special training. You don't need a seminar. You don't need a toolbox and techniques. If God has saved you, He has given you His Spirit. And that power abides in you, ready to be used to turn people from darkness to light, to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. It's there. God's given it to you. And not only has given you the Spirit of God, but He's given you the best textbook, the Word of God, to teach them. You have everything that is necessary. Never in the Scriptures do we see God qualifying people. When that maniac of the Gadarenes came out there and Jesus met him 
and, and Jesus changed his life and the people came out and they saw him clothed in his right mind sitting there and, and, and all the people said to Jesus, go away, go away. And Jesus went to get on his boat and that maniac, who is no longer a maniac, said, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, listen, you need to come with me and I'll give you six months of training and I'll get you this and that and this and that and then I'll send you back to your people. No, Jesus said, go back to your family and friends and tell them how great things God has done for you. That's the power of God. That's the purpose of your Christian life is to be a living testimony of what God has done for you. So my question tonight, what has God done for you? If tonight we were to have a testimony service and we were to say we're going to take up some testimonies and we'd like you to tell us what God has done for you. What would you say tonight? Is your God real? Is He alive? Is He working in your heart? Is He answering your prayers? Can you give a testimony tonight of what God has done for you? First of all, you ought to be able to stand and say, let me tell you how God saved me, amen? Let me how it took, tell you how God took this sinner and changed his life through His grace and His mercy. There ought to be other evidence as the Apostle Paul rehearsed in his testimony how God used his life and through the shipwrecks and through the beatings and the imprisonment and through all the travels and journeys. Look at what God has done. Not look at what Paul has done. Not look at what people have done. But look at what God has done. Oh, this world tonight is starving for a group of people somewhere that would be a true testimony of the mighty working of God. I love the story back in the book of Daniel. I want you to turn to it for just a moment. Daniel chapter number 6. Daniel chapter number 6. I think we're familiar with this story. We, we know it, amen. Daniel in the lion's den. But could I say tonight it's more than just a story? It's an event that took place. Sometimes we wonder, we say, Preacher, how come, how come we don't see God doing anything today? Well, maybe. Just possibly, could it be, has it ever considered in your mind that God is not the problem? Could, could you ponder that thought for just a moment tonight? So many times I hear people say, it just doesn't seem like God is working. It just doesn't seem like God is doing. It just doesn't seem like God is. Now, now wait a second, I want you to really think about that. So it's God's fault? It's God's fault that America doesn't have revival? It's God's fault that, that churches are growing cold and indifferent. It's God's fault that our children are going wayward instead of forward for God. I mean, just ponder that thought for a moment. Is it really God's fault? We know better than that, don't we? We know it's not God's fault. We want to see God work. We want to see God do something. I tell people all the time, they say, Brother Bill, we love vacation Bible school. We like it. Man, we like the things that happen at Bible school and this and that and this and that. Have you ever wondered why? I'm gonna, can, I, can I say something tonight? It's not because of Brother Bill Smith. Did you know that? It's not because I, I drive into the parking lot and all of a sudden people are going to come to church. <laughs> no, 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 no. Have you considered how much work you've put into vacation Bible school? Do you already know how many man hours of labor have gone into this week's Vacation Bible School by the people of Westwood Heights Baptist Church? It's no wonder that children are going to come. I believe children are going to come this week. 
I believe people are going to hear the gospel this week. I believe people are going to get taught this week. I believe teachers are going to sit back in this classroom and they're going to teach these lessons. And, 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 but do you know how many hours teachers have spent looking through that little booklet and looking at these scripture verses and thinking about it and decorating their classroom? How many, how many mailers have been put out? How many people have gone out and, and handed out things on the streets? And how many times people run over to the park and hand out? Could you, could you just for a moment stop and think about how much work you've put into vacation Bible school? How much time? How much money? How much investment you've made? That's part of the reason why something happens. Because I, I hope tonight that you're expecting God to do something this week. And that's why you've invested. That's why you've labored. That's why you're praying. That's why you're participating. Well, it ought to be that way all the time. I expect God to save people. Therefore, if I expect God to save people, I need to go out and teach. Amen? That's what God said. I expect God to, to change young people's lives, so I've got to go and labor as God commanded. God did a great thing in the book of Daniel, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And we say, wow, wouldn't it? I mean, what an amazing thing that Daniel was thrown there in the lion's den and, and, and God saved him from the lion and... And, and here's the part I like, because after he got out of the lion's den, look what the Bible has to say in Daniel chapter number 6. Read with me, if you would, verse number 25. It says, Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you, I make a decree, that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Now we know Belteshazzar had many problems. and I'm sorry, King Darius. And we know there were difficulties in their lives. But do you understand the statement that he made right here? Wouldn't it be wonderful if some political leader in the world today would stand up and say, the God of the Bible? is the God of this world. He's done might. He's done wonder. I said, well, just God doesn't work anymore. But wait a second. For this to happen, Daniel had to go to the lion's den. Daniel had to pray three times a day. And when the decree was made that said, Daniel, you can't do it, Daniel had to go and open up his window and pray like he always did. He didn't go off and hide in some secret place, in a shame place, and say, well, I don't want to get in trouble with them. He prayed. And God said, that's good. Look what I'm going to do now. You see, there's a purpose for your preaching. When I say preaching, I'm not talking about standing behind this pulpit. I'm talking about going out into the world and being a real Christian. Taking a true stand for what the Bible says. You say, well, Brother Bill, they might put us in prison. Well, then might what God do? Amen. What would God do if, if we took the Bible seriously like the church at Jerusalem did and it was said about them, these men that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. The power of our preaching. Two other verses and I'll be finished. Look at Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number 1. This is what the world needs to see. Colossians chapter number 1, verse number 9. This is what Paul said about the church at Colossae. 
He said, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at this. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have the redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Go back to the book of Acts and we'll be finished. Acts chapter 26. What is it that the Lord Jesus Christ told the apostles and the apostle Paul what he was to do? Acts chapter 26. Verse 18, open their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. People are in darkness under the power of Satan, but God has given us the power through the preaching of the word of God. It's what will bring light to their life. It's what will turn them from Satan unto God. According to the book of Colossians, and now according to Acts chapter 26, verse, 28, verse 18, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul said, listen, I can tell you where to get forgiveness of sins. I can tell you how you can have an inheritance in heaven. That's the promise that we can offer to people. We can, we can promise people. We can't forgive their sins, but we can promise them that if they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, their sins are forgiven. We can promise people that if they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to have an inheritance in heaven. Oh, we can't give it to them. But we are like, we are like the executors of the estate. And, and, and we've got the will written right here. And I want to tell you, friend, that if you do what God says, you get to have the inheritance. It's already written. I've got good news. I've got something to share with people. When I'm in South Africa, I always illustrate it. I say, listen, if you had the cure for AIDS, what would you do about it? Every time they think they have something, it hits the headlines of the newspapers. Just, just two days ago, there was something in the paper about somebody figuring out something on it. Every time they find something, it hits the papers because it's a killer across the world today. I mean, if you had the cure for that, You'd talk about it. You'd tell people about it. Friend, I want to tell you something tonight. You have the cure for man's eternal condemnation. The gospel message of Jesus Christ. Why are we so quiet about it? Why are we so casual about it? Well, that God would give us a person like Paul stood in the midst of King Agrippa's courtroom that day and said, Agrippa, you know. Agrippa, you've got to believe. And when Agrippa said almost, Paul groaned. And I can, almost, I can just hear Paul saying it. Oh, how I wish that everybody in this room, I don't think he could address everybody else because he's standing before the king, but here he's doing it. If anybody else, King Agrippa might be saying no. But if anybody else in this room wants what Jesus has, it's yours. I wish you could have what I have. Number one tonight, do you have something that's worth sharing?
Do you truly have the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you truly been born again? Does it burn in your heart tonight to share it with someone else? If you know that you're saved and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, friend, the purpose that God gave it to you is not so you could get to heaven, but he gave it to you to pass it on. And we've got to be serious tonight about this business of passing on the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to teach the truth to a world that doesn't know and to a world that's been taught wrong. And we ought to be passionate about it to share the truth. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray you'd help us tonight. And Lord, we know that's why we have Vacation Bible School. We have Vacation Bible School because we believe that it's a way that we can gather young people, we can gather teenagers, we can gather adults and bring them unto the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, our desire this week is to see people turn from darkness to light, to see people that are under the power of Satan come under the power of God. Lord, our passion, our desire, Lord, is that men might come to a clear understanding of what the Bible says. And Lord, we know, we realize that it's your Spirit that is the Lord Jesus Christ that saves them. But God, I pray tonight that we would have a desire, a desire this week to tell the gospel. Lord, not just this week of the year, not just this one week, but God, week after week, day after day, month after month, year after year, we would see the problem of the people and we would take the message of the gospel to them that their life might be changed. Father, move in our hearts tonight. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're just going to stand very quietly to our feet tonight. Just a simple time of invitation.